Welcome, welcome, everyone. Welcome. Episode two. Episode two. Still quarantine. We're almost on week three of quarantine. Yeah. When is going to start running out soon? We're all going to start crying. You know, it's fine. We're all going to start crying <laughs> more. <laughs> but it's we're doing fine, and how we're doing fine is by talking about nerdy shit that we Nerd love. Nerd things. It's also been beautiful here. Oh, yeah. Also, so, we basically spent most of this week on our porch. Mm-hmm. It's sunny and beautiful, uh, and everything smells good. And I don't if know. you're stuck somewhere cold in this... I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry. That's I'm a just big so bump. sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> We're really genuinely sorry. I'm sorry I'm laughing so much. <laughs> oh, oh no. man. All right. Episode 2, I'm Brittany Vitrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is... But, but first, first, let's talk nerdy. Alright, so we've had one seltzer. One We're not seltzer. a whole bottle of champagne deep this time. We are not a whole bottle of champagne <laughs> Just deep a seltzer, so we're feeling a little good. We have another one in our glass. Working we're, on number two. Number two, of course. We have our little clink. Cups. Cups. They're Sorry. Christmas because Martha has used all of our regular wine glasses. I'm a monster who that... doesn't know how to use normal cups. <laughs> we have a bunch of them. I don't. <laughs> They're giant cat cups that I bought her, yet she still wants to use her wine glasses. I'm trying to be fancy in this time of quarantine. <laughs> They're at least stemless. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get started and try to entertain you for the next hour-ish Ooh. in your quarantine. Yeah. I went first last week. So I'm going to go first this week. That's Martha, if you can't tell our voices apart. My voice is much deeper. <laughs> <laughs> also, I laugh continuously. <laughs> and she's the one that makes all the awful puns. Yep, that's going to be me. All right. What are we doing this week? All right. So what we are doing this week is my best, best babe, Dazzler. Yeah! yeah! No shocker that you do Not Dazzler. a surprise, literally at all. But also, <laughs> I didn't come up with it. I don't know why I haven't been able to come up with any of the obvious ones, and then they hit me in the fucking face, and I'm like, oh, you're a big goddamn <laughs> idiot, and you should have thought about this. Yes. We've talked about Dazzler. Yeah! And I was even like, you're obviously gonna do Dazzler. She's yours. So, Dazzler always interested me because she was one of those, like, kind of silly characters just really ridiculous and the whole idea of her is just funny like it's 2020 how much disco are we actually fucking having <laughs> none. who wears a disco the ball necklace is none just not a lot of people but she's also a mega fucking powerhouse like her powers are honestly goddamn ridiculous and that's always one of my favorite combinations character that is stupid and kind of ridiculous but also so powerful that they will crush you. That is my thing. Also, so she was a crazy idea to try and merge, like, the real world and a real pop star with X-Men comics, which is <laughs> the stupidest and best thing I've ever heard in my life. Dazzler's creation was a really interesting part of X-Men's past, and I figured it was worth looking into. So um, some of my sources are I used an article off of sci-fi.com, the article is called The Weird and Wild History of Dazzler. 
And, like, it opens up with this great part about her, which is Dazzler is a rare character in that she tends to come up more in conversation than on the printed page. And I feel like that is Dazzler in a fucking <laughs> nutshell. Like, Dazzler is weird, and she's disco-y, and she's very camp. So Dazzler was a nameless concept proposed to Marvel as a joint marketing project. And if this sounds like a direct quote, it is, because <laughs> I didn't write any of this fucking nonsense. Um, between them and a record company called Casablanca Records. They used to do a lot of things with like Cher and Donna Summer. So they were very like, oh, disco, yes, here for it. And then they were merging with a film company and they were thinking about doing like maybe a Dazzler movie and multimedia ventures. Um, and the band Kiss was also part of Dazzler's inspo, which you can see in her weird fucking face makeup. Yeah, they did a bunch of shit like that. And the fact that Kiss was also merchandising a lot, they were like, oh, you know what would be good for that? If we also tied in comics and then we just pulled it all together and made a ton of money, which didn't go as well as we wanted it to. Shocking no one yeah. in hindsight. Considering that none of us know an 80s <laughs> an eighties pop star named Dazzler, or The Dazzler, as she was sometimes called, which is stupid and makes me angry. <laughs> but it's fine. You guys can call it whatever you want. So Casablanca tried to um, make a deal with Marvel to create a disco singer that would be real in real life but also in comics and then they would make a film with her and then they would make so much money and then it didn't work out that way <laughs> also so dazzler was originally based off of the singer grace jones do you know grace jones no or i don't know her name anyways yeah you know me in names it's totally fair um she is like a style icon she's also a black woman she's still made a lot of um cultural significance today and then they were like maybe we'll go with Bo Derek, who was a new actor at the time and they were like mm, this might be a little bit easier which we can all see kind of where that might have gone and then the um, creative of her John Romita was the one who was like let's make her off of Grace Jones and when they were like let's make her white and blonde he was like <laughs> Let's make her the exact opposite <laughs> of what we are basing yeah. her on. White and blonde instead of black and bald and fabulous. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, just a little bit you different. You know. So when Dazzler got her own series, it was, it's kind of stood out at the time and it was 1980. So this was when they were like, we're going to do this. And then everything fell through and they were like, well, I guess we're going to still do this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we will anyways. Yeah. It ran for 42 issues. That's a long... It's a good it's amount. a long time. Especially since... So it focused more on her career as an actor and a musician and her quest to find love than it did on her life as a reluctant superhero. But that's just... When you think about it, that's 12 issues like a year if it yeah. was monthly. Like 42 issues. That that's a couple, a couple years. of years. Exactly. For a no-name character. A weird character. Yeah. That I mean, not that Dazzler was a no-name now, but back then. Mm-hmm. She's still only, what, B-list? I'd say B is probably yeah. fair. So Dazzler was kind of a big icon in the gay community, which, I mean, all of X-Men can be seen as, like, a coded as minorities. Yep. And Dazzler was a character who saw what her powers could do and, like, used them for things and made a whole persona behind them, and then but still hid behind her normal self during the day. 
and that was something that a lot of a lot of queer folks could identify with and also the fact that she was very camp and disco probably didn't hurt didn't hurt for me how you can tell what era dazzler came out in oh yeah the whole disco thing exactly (laughs) so dazzler her name is allison blair and um, you know what I never knew Dazzler's name. Oh my god, for real? Yeah. Ellie, baby. Yeah, no. Now that you say that, I've never so taken two seconds to look it up, apparently. <laughs> I'm sure I've randomly read it, and it's just never oh, yeah. stuck in my brain. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Yeah, so her power is that she can transmit sound into light. Like, any sound. So if somebody's around and they're making a lot of noise... If somebody drops a fucking trash can and it's very loud, she can make any of that shit into something that she can use as power. So, like, lasers and photon blasts, strobes, these are all the names for her different powers, which apparently are different things. (laughs) They all sound more or less the same, but that's fine. Dazzle, which is, um, like, a bunch of light and color just to fuck you up. Um, holograms, which is kind of cool. Um, she can create a shield with light. Just, her power is really fucking ridiculous. And, uh, she used to originally carry a customized radio cassette tape player to provide her with continuous sound. Which I I was like, oh no, look at this cute Dazzler purse in the beginning. Apparently it's a fucking cassette tape player. I'm like, oh my fucking god her little like discman walking around not even a discman yet. no no just a little like cassette player god yeah um that's you had to <laughs> hold the microphone up to the radio to record it <laughs> or you had to like hit record on your tape if it was in there yeah. at the right time yeah but you still got like half an ad which yep. was great always mm-hmm. always you'd have to rewind Hold on, guys. I, I have, have to, to flip rewind. it over to side B. <laughs> there were two sides. Fuck, I forgot about <laughs> side B. Oh, no. <laughs> and then she also had her roller skates. And one of her powers that she's listed as having on Wikipedia is highly accomplished roller skater. And I was like, well, fuck. Roller skates are harder than rollerblades. I'm not good at either. Yeah. I'm, like, genuinely bad at rollerblades. <laughs> so roller skates, like, I definitely had a couple friends who were like, roller skate birthdays, and I'm like, you know, I'm sick. Yeah, I think <laughs> I did one at a roller skate place when I was younger, <laughs> back when those were, like, a legit thing. So, Allison fucking Blair, really good at roller skating. <laughs> yes, the roller skating that yeah. she's good at. Professional. Yes. She's also, like... Like, her power level is, they're like, oh, well, we tried to measure it, and it measured off the fucking charts. Mm. No (laughs) big deal. As long as you aren't stuck in a vacuum, you have pretty much as much power as you can create. So, Allison, history. She was born to Catherine and Carter Blair in a Long Island suburb. And if they sound like some fucking yuppie names. Did you say Long Island? I thought you said Long Ireland. Long Ireland. <laughs> Very confused. Uh, okay. In a Long like, Island suburb. Okay. It had Ugh. a name and I didn't care. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. I was matter. like, I know you're rich. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Your name is Carter. Oh, I did Just... Carter last week. Yes. <laughs> so if, if Carter sounds like the worst, it's because he fucking is. 
Carter Blair. Oh. I know that's a rich person name. Carter Blair. Blair from is just a rich. So Catherine and Carter don't have a great relationship because her dad is a very straight laced lawyer and her mom was very free spirited and an entertainer. So she, uh, mom leaves. She's like, you know, I'm gonna go do my own thing. So he keeps this from Allison for a good chunk of her life and doesn't tell her what happened to her mom because he's embarrassed that she went off to go like live her life and be an entertainer or something like that. Which I guess is like just the least embarrassing thing that you could do as far as leaving your child. Just that male ego thing it's again. So stupid. I'm embarrassed that your mother left, but it is shitty that she left it. Oh yeah. Child. Shouldn't have left a a daughter. Um, That's not cool. Don't leave your kids. Don't leave your kids. Don't have kids if you're planning on leaving them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Martha and I come from two stable families with both parents. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, we do. Um, So our advice is true. (laughs) So we know. (laughs) Help. But yeah, so she goes off to pursue her own dream. He moves in with his mom so that she can help with Allison. And she starts to get into singing around middle school time. And her dad is like, oh, no. Oh, no. Fuck no. We're not going to do this creative thing. I've already had this work out poorly for me. Also, you have to follow in my lawyer footsteps because I'm just the worst. My name is Carter. Blair. Carter Blair. His middle name is probably Montgomery. Um, but her grandma is a lot more encouraging. So middle school rolls around, and that's when Allison's powers manifest. And they manifest while she is performing at a middle school dance. Let's take a time out and think about any nerd who performed at their fucking middle school dance. Like, I love singing so much. <laughs> I think we all knew that person in middle school. And I just don't understand how this all works out. So it's a dance? I'm thinking like a talent show. No. Okay. It's a dance. It's a dance. It's I a... don't know what's worse. Talent shows are pretty fucking bad. Okay. I once tried to sing something at a talent show in middle school in sixth grade. And it was... I was trying, I was trying to sing Lucky by Britney Spears. Oh, no! <laughs> And I get up in front of everybody, and I started to cry and ran away. <laughs> How old were you? <laughs> Probably like 13 or 14. Too old for that! <laughs> How old are you in sixth grade? I have totally no, no idea. I fucking clue, but too old <laughs> oh, to cry and run off. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody else saw me cry, but I was definitely like, oh no, starting to tear up, holding a microphone in front of me, I put the microphone down and ran away. Yup. Side note on that. Oh, no, I never, side I note. never did it. Don't but do it. <laughs> <laughs> me and my friend were planning a dance to Britney Spears "Stronger" for our talent yes. show, and probably right around six. Well, or seven, the, the best part is, but didn't happen. This was my second time performing in this talent show because we did something as a little like string orchestra, and I was up there. And had no problem. But when it was just me, and I don't have a giant bass in front of me, I was I like, cried. I'm going to fucking puke in front of all of these people. And then I ran away. The end. But Dazzler didn't. But you know what happened to her instead? She got all of her mutant powers then. That's when that happened. So, so she just blinds the fuck out of everybody so that she can run away and not be seen. Not permanently blind. 
But I'm not 100 percent sure. No, that. maybe not. Maybe it didn't specify in anything that I read whether they were able to see later. I assumed yes, because Dazzler doesn't usually blind people. That's not usually her thing. But also, Rose but she didn't know what was happening. Yeah, exactly. This is your first time with powers, and you're like, oh no, I have to run away. This is my fight or flight thing. I think it's gonna go poorly. And she's like, well, I can't do that whole thing because it's fucking terrifying. So I guess I will just hide the fact that I have powers from everybody I know until college. So she goes to college and she's like, well, now I'm in college and I'm being a free spirit because that's what you do in college. Drink too much, be a free spirit, gain 15 pounds. And so she starts to explore her powers and see how they can enhance her music and performance. And she makes herself a suit and accessories and named herself the Dazzler, being the only person who's ever been successful at nicknaming themselves. Also, which is her real power. By her suit, you just mean a shiny silver metallic jumpsuit. This is... It's not a superhero suit. This is a, I'm performing in front of a bunch of people and I'm going to be the most glittery bitch I've ever Which met. Which is probably why she successfully named herself because she wasn't naming herself as a superhero. Exactly. She, she was, was naming, naming herself, herself as, as an artist. It's different. Yeah. But it also does feel like she got away with murder that way. So she performs and she's doing this whole thing. She's bringing into her, her powers into her performance and she is fucking living for it and realizing... I can't be a fucking lawyer. I can't go to college for law school. This is dumb. So at the end of her university, she graduates and she's like, oh, yo, dad, I'm uh, not going to do your dumb dream. I'm going to do my dumb dream. Way to be. Girl, yes. Get it. But also he'd been supporting her until then because she is still the daughter of a rich person. So he's like, well, I'm not going to give you any money anymore. And she's like, well, fuck you. Which, don't you love how that's like parents' threats? If you don't I'm do what I want money. to do, I'm taking away. Love your child and support them. Or don't have children. Or don't have them. Love your pet. Love your fish. Love your cactus. I don't know. Some people can only love a cactus and that's fine. We have a cactus. He's growing. <laughs> He's doing a really great job. <laughs> but yeah, so she um, she performs and she uses her powers and they are a draw into her performances so she gets to go into a lot of like clubs in <laughs> New York, and you could tell it was the 70s and 80s because they also called them discotheques. And she's just using her powers on the down low, and like very much like this is one identity, this is another identity. And Allison Blair sometimes, but most of the time I'm Dazzler, and she's completely separate. And then whenever anybody's like, "Ooh, your lights, they're amazing," she's like, "Oh, they're <laughs> a technological secret." And that's how she was able to get away with it. That said, that doesn't go on for too long because both the Hellfire Club, so Emma, with the Hellfire Club, is like, yo, girl, powers. And also, Professor X is like, hey. Screw him. Would you like some help with your powers? Yeah, obviously. I mean, not that the Hellfire Club is a great place to be, but Emma Frost. I mean, if you have and to the be Hellfire Club. horribly manipulated by anybody. It might as well be the Hellfire Club. Yeah, it might as well be Emma, please. 
But yeah, so they both try and recruit her at different times while she's like doing her gigs and living her life. And she teams up with the X-Men for like a hot minute because the Hellfire Club comes and they're like, join us at one of her gigs. And she's like, um, excuse me, I'm so not fucking cool with that. So she blasts the shit out of them and then the X-Men are like, join us. And she's like, "Mm, no, I'm, I'm focusing on my career right now and that's what's important. And that's another reason why I love her so much, because she's like, well, I guess if I have to do good, I'll do good. But right now I'm focusing on me. And I'm so fucking here for that. You. You're number get one. Get yours, because the that. only person who's going to try and get yours is you. Is you. Mm-hmm. That said, while she's trying to not be a superhero and just like trying to live her life and be a performer, she runs into a ton of dumb people with powers because she's kind of a target. She has, like, some stories with Spidey and Johnny Storm. She beats Enchantress. The Hulk is in there somehow. I'm not 100% sure why. And then she fights Doctor Doom before a concert, and that's when everything gets fucked up. And um, she tries to help people who are hurt, and they end up, like, being against her, and there's a whole fucking crowd against her. You know, the normal mutant bullshit. Yep. Which is some fucking terribleness. And then shortly after all of that fucking nonsense, the government kidnaps her to do tests on her because of her power. Ugh. Called Project Pegasus. And they find that Allison has no natural limit to her powers and therefore could be theoretically the most powerful mutant on Earth because she has... For the umpteenth time, there's another person that could possibly be the most powerful mutant on Earth. As long as nobody is forever silent, I will always have power. And, like, light is a big goddamn power. Well, then she wouldn't work well in those movies where they can't talk. No. Quiet, please. Oh, no. So they basically are like, oh, so as long as there's any sound at all, you have, like, some really fucking ridiculous powers, and if there's loud sound your power is honestly infinite at this point because we haven't been able to find a top range to it jesus fucking christ you're scary and we should deal with this so she breaks out nonsense happens and then she has a boyfriend who is famous and he wants to make her a star which is always a bad thing if somebody's like oh i really like you i've taken a special notice in you and i want to make you famous you should get the fuck out because they probably want to just take advantage of you. Which is more or less how this all goes. So he he convinces her to come out as a mutant publicly. Which she hasn't been, like, it's been... Don't do it, Dazzler. Don't do it, Don't do it baby. Don't. First off, yeah. it's no one's fucking business. It's not. It's your fucking thing. And it, you can convince people it's technology, so you might as well keep doing it. But yeah, so he's like, come out as a mutant publicly. They try to do a Dazzler movie, which is more positive. But the guy who's doing the Dazzler movie is like, "Mm, I'm not going to release it unless you do this, this and this for me. And she's like, "Mm, no, you're gross. I hate you. And then they do a like publicity stunt to be like, oh, look, Dazzler has powers. And several jet companies supply jet engines for her so that they can be like oh look at how powerful she is except for the sound is really really fucking loud and it backfired and everyone is terrified because of course her power is 
bonkers ridiculous. So it's not like, <laughs> ooh, here's some cute glitter. All of these times I've been performing, it has been powers. She's like, oh, look. <laughs> here's my giant powers. I'm going to ruin all of you. So she can't control the louder the sound, just the heavier the power is. At she can't point, just be like, here's a noise and I can control the I power. Yeah. It's just, this is the noise and this is the power. Exactly. Okay. So everything goes fucking bonkers. Her career goes belly up and she joins the X-Men then because she's like, I need to figure out how to control this shit. And then after that, for a little while, she ends up in the Mojo-verse. You remember Mojo, right? Yeah, I do. Fucking gross douchebag. Yep. And Longshot is frequently there and that's where she and Longshot meet and they get married and then they get divorced and somewhere in between both of them lose their memories at different times because comics <laughs> i love how the easiest way to explain things in comics is just to say because comics <laughs> ah, what are you gonna say and then so in 2018 they released a comic called x song i think it's just one issue and it's great uh, so if you're looking for a Tazzer comic you should read it but she literally calls the X-Men a rebound from a failed pop music debut. And she's just trying to do her thing. And Damn. Just, I know. Rough. She's like, I never really wanted to do that. This is what I wanted. And I did that on the side because it was necessary and also it was what was available for me. But now that I can go back to being an entertainer, that's what I want. And as she gets more and more into it, she realizes that there's only so much that she can divorce her public life from being a mutant and also from being a person who is very against other people being bigoted. Um, X-Song is a lot about mutants who go to her concerts who are like, oh, well, the Inhumans, so people who have powers who aren't mutants can't come because this isn't their thing you don't That's get to be rude. this thing i like how you explain the inhumans to me i, I know have you ever are. heard of an inhuman <laughs> you know that's what like is what agents of shield is all based oh. on <laughs> the inhumans <laughs> dial up sound <laughs> it's fine have you ever <laughs> Inhumans. Just yeah. in case you haven't. Basically, so the... In, in case you've never read a comic book ever. Inhumans come to her concerts to, like, chill and jam and be themselves, too, and she's totally cool for it, and a lot of the other mutants there are like, you're not the right type of difference, so you can't come. And then they're like, like, bring power dampeners and shit like that so that they can fight people, and she constantly comes out at the end of her, like, set to see what's going on, and then beats the shit out of the student and is like, no... Just because you're a mutant doesn't mean you get to be a bigot. Everybody is fucking welcome here to be as different as they want. Um, I hate when things are like that. When it's like, you're you're the minority, and then someone's like sort of that in between something. Well, Well, you're not enough of that. Very much like, yeah, exactly. Any minority. You're not the right time. You're not queer enough. You're not black enough. You're not this enough. You're not other enough. It's, you're other, but you're not other enough. No, and yeah, you're not to, the same type of other as me, so I don't want to deal with you. Yep. Um, and she just comes out and is like, I hope that you saw what I saw, that we're more powerful than our powers, that we don't need to be afraid so long as we stand together, and that we're bigger than the X-Men, or the Avengers, or the champions. We're not just a scene, we're a family. And we have to stand together because we'll always stand apart. I was like, Tazzler baby, I love you so much. So... That's why I love her so much, because she 
instead of being like a superhero or anything, she still does the right thing, but that's not her like job. And I always love to look at somebody with powers who isn't just being a superhero and is just living their life and trying to be a person, but also realizing that that part of their life is always going to affect every part of it. So that is the tale of Alison Blair, our good girl Dazzler, our lovely disco ball in the X-Men universe. I love it. One of my favorite things about Dazzler is mm-hmm. when you cosplayed her and you ordered those disco ball necklaces and <laughs> you thought there was just going to be like one and there was like ten. And yeah. now we just have a bunch of disco ball necklaces. <laughs> yeah, I ordered um, what I thought was maybe one or possibly two disco ball necklaces. It was twelve. <laughs> I think I've given four of them away, which means I still have... <laughs> Eight. Eight. Eight disco ball <laughs> necklaces, so it's fine. Uh, a couple of years ago, my Christmas tree was just a disco ball Christmas tree because I had so many of them. Uh, thank you, Dazzler, for making thank that you, disco ball Dazzler. tree possible. Also, I really want to get a fucking tape cassette in a little purse and bring it around with me and disco ball it up because it's really Oh my god, and just play the really awful Yes, 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 yes. All sorts of uh, (laughs) Donna Slubber and And disco and everything that I've It'd be like listening through a bad pair of Dollar Tree headphones. (laughs) (laughs) It would be exactly like that. Also, I'm going to show you the original version of Dazzler which was based off of Grace Jones. Oh. Imagine what a different fucking... Yeah, that would have been so different. Yeah. She's badass, though. I was going to say, she's a baller and yeah. a half. That's a fucking look. Yeah. All right, awesome. So, yeah. So, well, that's I know Dazzler. so much more about Dazzler. <laughs> well, I feel like Dazzler is such an interesting and weird character. And just the fact that they were like, we're going to make a pop star X-Men. My first thing <laughs> that I read of Dazzler was some random comics that led into some big story in the Mm X-Men and um your boy flame boy chamber chamber was there too that was the first time I ever read anything about chamber chamber yeah yeah they were both in and I was like I don't really know who these people are yeah this was back when I first started reading comics well I feel like there's a lot of characters especially in the mutants that came out in the 80s that don't get as much like play but are fucking fabulous because they had a lot of really interesting Mm -hmm. writers during that time and dazzler is one of those just the fact that she's such a huge fucking icon like it's (laughs) this is probably a tangent but it's fine so i watched a um thing about barbies and ken on vh1 or something like that that was um talking about the history of them there was one ken that is very very clearly the gayest ken ever and it's the one that has sold the most Barbies. Oh my god, that's ever. hilarious. And Dazzler is like that. I love that. And I I love that too. I love that. It's just like she's so very camp that you have to fucking love her. Or you can be sad and I don't know, or you hide can the be basement fucking for the rest of your life. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that spiraled real quick. All right. All right. All right. You ready? I am so fucking ready. So last week we both did comics. Yes, we and did. And then you just did a comic. I just did a comic so because gonna... comics is my yes, specialty. Yes, and I was going to say comics is your thing. My thing. So I am doing something a little bit different. And I'm doing something that's probably more my thing. Mm-hmm. And so I am going to be talking about Final Fantasy VIII. 
Oh, shit. And specifically the little conspiracy theory that fans have made behind Final Fantasy VIII. So, Final Fantasy VIII is actually, I mean, other than watching, like, my sisters play, like, Zelda and Mario growing up on their regular Nintendo, because I know you know, but for everyone else who doesn't know, my sisters are 8 and 10 years older than me, so (laughs) I was very much the baby. Final Fantasy VIII was, like, the first your first video, video game, game experience. I played, and oh, it's cute. basically what got me. I'm obsessed with Final Fantasy and video games and all that stuff. And I think the first video game I played was Zelda or maybe Pokemon Snap. I like it. I mean, mm-hmm. Zelda's bomb, Doc. I, I, but the Zeldas we were playing were like the original like yeah. NES like Zeldas. I also watched that. my sisters play that when growing up. Tuffies. But Final Fantasy VIII. So in order to get into the conspiracy, I'm going to... You're going to have to bear with me. It is a little bit long because I basically have to go through the game. I was going to say, I have to know what's going yes, on first. in order to understand the conspiracy. Yes. I'm going to go through the whole game. So if you haven't played the game, spoil alert, but the game is freaking, you know, uh, 21 years old. So It's old enough to drink, so that's on you, fuckers. <laughs> it's, I'm not concerned about it. It could drink with us here. <laughs> It's true. It could. It could be sitting next to me drinking right now. Pour one out for Final <laughs> Fantasy VIII. <laughs> Don't do that. That's a waste of your drink. And especially now, um, they just released, or they didn't just release, it was months ago, but they did the, re- the, just, the remaster, which I basically cried over when they announced it because I was so excited because this game never gets any love and it's not only my favorite Final Fantasy game, but my favorite game. So, definitely, you can get it on the Wii. Uh, not on the Wii. <laughs> Which, what year is it? What year is it? It's 2020, and everything is the worst. That's why. I, time has no meaning anymore. Yes. All right. So, mostly all of my stuff came from fandom.com. Um, I got stuff from denofgeek.com. And then, of course, playing Final Fantasy VIII. Uh-huh. Duh. <laughs> Playing it is, you I've know. I've been doing so much research, guys. <laughs> Look. Playing it is a lot of research. There's a lot. Remember yesterday? That's what I was playing when I didn't fucking, when I exited instead of saved. And now I had to do a whole hour of gameplay again. Oh, no, no. Yeah, that's what I was playing. (laughs) Mother trucker. (laughs) Anyways, so I'm just going to read at the very beginning when you open it up. This is like an official quote that sort of gives an overall. Mm -hmm. I think it's before even the... um, Mean like movie start word shit. Yeah, in Star it gives Wars. you some. It gives you yeah, and then it goes into the opening <laughs> the word scene. Shit. The word shit. So uh, it's an English major. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I quote quotations. Quote quote. At the forefront of a rising tide of violence brought on Galbadia War de- Declaration is a sea cadet named Squall Leonhart. Okay, I'm interrupting this quote to say right now. They don't, it's one of those older games, so you read everything, there's no speaking, they have no voices. Uh, a lot of the names in it, and a lot of the things in it, are not actual words. So, it's sort of like the whole Titus Titus thing, where people are like, how do you say his name? How do you say that? I say it Titus. Okay, me too. I think in the Kingdom Hearts, they might say Titus. I Don't hate quote that. me on that because I say Titus and I think it's Titus. But it's one of those things where these names are weird. Titus. And whether it's their actual names or it's names of things going on. 
I might be saying things wrong. Yes. Or wrong to what you say, but this is how I've always said it in my brain. So, okay, so I'll start over. At the forefront of a rising tide of violence brought on by Galbadio's war declaration is a sea cadet named Squall Leonhardt. Serious to a fault, Squall has earned himself the reputation of being a lone wolf. A chance encounter with the free-spirited Renoa Hartley, however, turns his universe upside down. Having thrived on discipline, Squall finds Renoa's carefree attitude fascinating. Yet there's no time to ponder these thoughts, for the job of dealing with the sorceress behind Galbadia's irrational hostility has fallen to Seed and Squall. So that's the official opening that's what you would read that was so hard to read because those are words and sentences i would never put together yeah it's it felt so unnatural coming off of my mouth but so that's it's like when you have too many syllables yes there's a lot of words like this it's a lot of words and a lot of like cliche corny words so 558 released february 11th 1999 for the Mm -hmm. playstation follows the main protagonist Wall Leonhardt, basically my favorite emo boy of all time. <laughs> he is a cadet in the a military academy called Balam Garden. So all the schools, all these military academies are gardens, and then they're based. The names are based off of whatever town they're by. Okay. So Balam is right by the town of Balam. That makes sense. I'm assuming it's Balam. It's B A L A M B is how you spell it. So I always say. Balam or Balam, but that sounds... Balam. Balam sounds more like fantasy, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) 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 So, Squall is trying to become what they call a seed, and it is capital S, lowercase e, lowercase e, capital D. That's specifically how it's spelled. A seed. Seed. And they are basically just mercenaries for hire. That's all seeds Does it are. stand for something? I'll get to that. Okay. I literally have that written <laughs> in here somewhere, so don't worry. So they can wield these magical beings known as guardian forces, which is basically Final Fantasy always has summons. Yes. And in uh, Final Fantasy, I almost said Resident Evil, wrong game. In Final Fantasy VIII, they're Which called... Which am I talking about? <laughs> Resident Evil 3 Remake just came out yesterday, so it's like all over the place, so it's in my what brain. What do you fucking want from me? <laughs> but um, they're called Guardian Forces, and these Guardian Forces are powers that they summon to mimic what are in this world were sorceresses. They had a bunch of sorceresses mm-hmm. and they're there to mimic powers to help them out in sorceresses, battle. Sorceresses like all ladies. So yes, they are specifically women who use magic naturally and who are both feared and loved That's and revered. That's what I want. Yes, specifically men cannot be sorceresses. It's only females. Literal goals. Yes. So... As far as I know, SEED isn't an acronym. Oh. I wrote that. Yep. Oh, damn. Yep. Um, they just capitalized the D to look fancy. So, yeah, they capitalized the D. You did say look. he was emo. That's he is emo. And I think it is actually, they call them that. It's some sort of dad joke because all the schools are called gardens and they are seeds in a garden. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> Game starts with this really nice opening scene. Best graphics of 1999. Yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. 
everything's so boxy. <laughs> no, well, no, these are the cutscenes, so they're pretty at this oh, no, point. No, fair. They're not really awfully pixelated. I was thinking which about are like so Tomb much Raider prettier now that shit. they remade it. But <laughs> Squall, our main hero here, is fighting with another student. They're like training with another student named Cipher. They both have gun blades. They're the only two gun blade wielders. Now, one of the nice things about Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy VIII is they tend to, like, mix weapons together. So Squall has a gun mm-hmm. blade. He mostly has a sword, but it actually does shoot, shoot things, things sometimes. every once in a while. I would while. like an axe but, that shoot things sometimes. You no, know, sort of like... Axe cannon. Like Ruby. Fuck. She is a scythe, <laughs> but it's sort of that. It's basically the same axe thing. Axe cannon. <laughs> Give me Anyways, that is another fandom that I will hit up at some we'll point. We'll get there. These two, they hate each other. They're rivals. And... Squall and Cypher. Yes, Squall and Cypher. And things get heated. And it ends up with both of them slicing their faces. So, you know, know, I'm sure you know Squall has that iconic scar. He technically doesn't have it until that very opening scene. And And when you say both of them slicing their faces, you mean each other, right? Not just, I hate you, I'm cutting my face. So basically, I'll give you, no. So they're they're (laughs) dueling with their gun blades. And um, there was some hand motions here. (laughs) Yes, I'm hand motioning this. How else will I learn? Cypher gets Squall right across the face so it is going down in one direction i'd be very pissed yeah so he's like fuck you swipes up and get Cypher going the opposite Excuse way. Excuse me, so this they is have, my money maker. So if you put their squalls together, squalls together, <laughs> <laughs> if you put their cuts together, you have an X. I, I thought you were going to say <laughs> a plus one. No, an X. What? They have a multiplication sign, what? actually. If we're going to go math terms, they have a multiplication sign. Okay. So that's where it ends there. There's a whole bunch of other things going on in that scene, but that's what matters because mm-hmm. this is like an iconic Also, this scar. is what we're talking about. Yes, and and it does. I will come back to this part right here. Mm-hmm. And it's an iconic thing. Squall has a <laughs> multiplication sign. I'm sorry, I'm plus. <laughs> Martha's really bad at math, even though her job has it in it. Mm. Okay, so the first scene we're in, they're awful graphics at this point is Squall wakes up and he's in the infirmary at the Um. school. So imagine a garden is sort of like a like a university so there's dorm rooms and the nurse you know yeah there's the infirmary the nurse's office and um, he gets a glimpse of this mysterious girl so he's like in a room and then there's like a glass window as if you were looking into the room and she's behind this glass. She, like, says something, and then she walks off, and that's it. And he's like, okay. and But I bring her up, and I bring that scene up because it is important later in the plot. So he ends up leaving with his instructor, Quistus Trep. One of my favorites. Trep. T-R-E-P-E. Okay. Do you think that's pronounced right? I have genuinely no idea. It could be Trep. I've always just said Trep. I think Trep, it looks like it's French. Yeah. So. I say look. As I'm looking at you and imagining it in my head. So, but it's T-R-E-P-E. That's how you spell it. It's name. like crep, but with yeah. a T. Yeah, I just say trap. That's no, what I I've really, always said. Really I am literally, every name I'm saying and how I pronounce it is just how I pronounced it since I played this game when I was like 12, 13 years old. Oh. 
I was really close. Yeah. Um, was a good guess. And she aids Squall on your first mission of the game, which is to go get those new Guardian Force. We were talking about the summons oh. before. Um, and upon the completion, there she's like, okay, you are ready for your final seed exam. So Seed yes. exam. So you're pronouncing the D extra hard. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, (laughs) a bunch of students load up onto the ship. They go to Blom. They load up onto a ship and they go over to this town um, across the ocean or whatever called Dalit. Now, they are legit brought to like a real war zone. Like there is real war going on in Dalit. Shit. Uh, The Galbadian army invaded and the Balam and the seeds were hired as relief for Dalit. Uh, I guess you're you're going to notice most of the time Galbadia is the bitches of this world of Final Fantasy VIII. So a bunch of things happen in Dalit. Squall barely makes it out, but he does indeed pass the final test and he does become a seed with his fellow classmates, his squad. His squall squad. His squall squad. Small sidebar. So if you don't pass this test, you just die? Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what happens. They cut off your head right there. They're like, you three pass. The rest of you, squall just cuts their heads off. <laughs> no, I, I thought you were mean. Like, in the... Not just like... They're like, you didn't do a good job, so we're going to kill you. Like, they're like, oh, well... In the war zone! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the war zone. <laughs> Fuck you. You didn't try hard enough. <laughs> no, I. they basically were like, you didn't listen to orders well enough. You didn't get a high enough score and you didn't pass. Even though oh. my squad, did, Squall was with Your Cypher. Squall squad. Yes. Squall was with Cypher and Zell while they were at Dalit. Mm-hmm. And they didn't listen to any of the rules. This is my But they ended up saving Dalit. So it ended up they passed, even though they disobeyed everything. But it's fine. I went my own way and we still came to the same answer. Don't look at my work. Okay. So basically actually the reason why they went their own way was because Cypher was their squad leader. He was like, I'm gonna go do this thing and Squall and Zell. <laughs> this is okay. I spilled on myself earlier. Squall and Zell. I was Zell. trying to be quiet about it. <laughs> <laughs> Squall and Zell just followed him because he was the squad leader. So Cypher didn't pass. Oh. But Squall and Zell did, did. pass. Yes. Oh, shit. Yes. Okay. Okay. So if that gives you, no, they weren't just executed, whether it be, <laughs> be uh, at Balam or at Dalit. <laughs> everyone survived, even off. though Squall almost did it. Quistis fucking saved his ass. Quistis. So Terrible name. Uh, I love Your parent her. parent doesn't love you. Okay, so we'll get to that later. Oh, no, is that true? <laughs> <laughs> so Squall, Selfie, and Zell are the three that pass, and then some other, like, random dudes that have nothing to do with anything. Selfie with a PH. Selfie with a PH. Okay, cool. They end up becoming teammates for the rest of the game. So 
later that evening, they have that ball party to celebrate the few seeds that did pass. They get their new spiffy, like, uniforms, which is awesome from Fancy their... Yeah, because they had, like, yeah. these, like, navy bluish uh, school uniforms, and now they're in these, like, nice black suits with epaulets, and like they're really in ties. Even the females have ties in their Ooh. uniform. It's real nice. Yeah, no, it's real nice. Jam. I'll have to show you them because yes. they're super... I love a lady in a tie. Yeah. Yeah, but it's still, like, the boys have pants, and then the girls have, like, pencil skirts, but they're not, like, super short. So, like, they're pretty on point. But then not at all, I don't find not at all sexist, even if the girls do have skirts on. Like, it's just, they're on point. So, this is where he runs into Renoa for the first time, who we talked about at the beginning, who is very important. Mm -hmm. He finds out that she's there because she knows Cypher. Mm-hmm. And she wants to talk to the headmaster of the school. Ah. They share a dance. There's this famous line of Final Fantasy VIII where she goes up to him and she was like, hey, you're the best looking guy here. And then someone <laughs> screenshotted it and it was the really old graphic. So his face was just like squared and awfully pixelated. I've seen that. Yes. And then finally <laughs> when they did the remake, they redid it and they showed him like looking more like a person because the graphics are so much better now. But it's like literally probably the <laughs> most like known thing of Final Fantasy. <laughs> C8 because it's hilarious. <laughs> so that happened. Um, I love so a they, good looking square. Yes. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, he was so hot. Mm. So anyways, they share a dance and then she sees a headmaster, Sid, and she runs off. Fun fact about Final Fantasy, every Final Fantasy has a Sid. Oh. Different versions. He's a different character in each one, oh, but shit. there's always a character named Sid. So Squall's like, this is not my jam. And he leaves the ball and he ends up meeting up with Quistus. And she's like, hey, come meet up with me. I just want to talk. So they have a training facility at Balam Garden because they are mercenaries. They need to know how to fight. Makes sense. And in the back of the training facility, there's like a little patio that like looks out onto wherever ah, Balam is. Just in case you need to have some romance while And you're basically there. it's like make out <laughs> points for all of the students to go to after hours. That's basically exactly what it is. So she's like, let's I know meet it's there. I don't um, want to make out with you, though. Yeah. There's, normal, there's no making out. We're having a conversation yeah, about Yeah, but she's like, I want to talk to you. So I don't know why. I guess some reason Squall is the, like, quiet boy in her <laughs> class that she was like, I feel bad for you. <laughs> I relate to you, apparently. I don't know. And note, they're only a year apart. Squall is 17 and Quistus is 18. Okay. So it's not like she's like, they were probably yeah. at classmates at some point. She became a seed a little bit earlier because she is mature and wise and became an instructor at a young age. He is still a cadet, probably because he's a boy and boys don't mature fast enough. I was literally <laughs> thinking exactly that thing. So while on their way to this after hours hangout, they find a girl being cornered by some fiends that are in the because it's the training this girl (laughs) she's being cornered and they save her she calls out their names Mm. 
But they don't know who she is, but Squall is like, oh, she looks like the girl that was in the infirmary earlier. Mm. But she says both Squall and Quistis' name. Oh. Some other people come, these bodyguards, they're like, oh, thanks for saving her, because apparently we decided to stop doing our job for a minute. No, I think <laughs> she ran off somewhere, because that's I'm bad at bodyguarding, and so. And they collect her, and she moves on. That's that. They leave. They go to their little makeout point. They don't make out. What Quistis? Basically, Squall stays quiet the whole time, and Quistis is like, "Hey, so feelings, feelings." Oh, no. And they demoted her because she was a bad instructor. <laughs> That's oh, what they tell them. So yeah. she's just the scene now. They're like. Do so great because she literally became like a seed at 17 and then an instructor at 18, and here she is. Uh, so they're like, Didn't do such a good job. You're a good seed, you're just not a we good We maybe instructor. made a mis- mistake. So in. we're gonna pull back and maybe we'll we'll talk about this later in a couple years when you're when older, you're a little bit older. So that's what she tells them there. So is the, she mad because no, she's like, I get it, it's fine. And I'm like, Oh, Quistus, as a person you. who. I can only imagine being like, you're too young for this. I'd be like, fuck you! And when I first started playing this, I was young, and even growing up, like, I was like, oh, but looking at it now, I'm like, they're babies. You're, they're literally all 17 and 18 of those, years like, old. Oh, oh, now that I'm in my 30s. Now that like, I'm an actual adult. Oh, no, you're a fucking child. Yeah, you yeah. should not be left with any of these. Yeah. yeah. Is that everything that I've ever <laughs> loved? next day squall selfie and zell are given their first seed mission and it's to aid a resistance faction called the forest owls and to yes are they actual owls no they are not actual owls boo and they, their mission is to reclaim the independence, independence <laughs> of a nation. Oh, That's where it came. I was just mushing everything so together. So we have the independence. Of the independ- <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's the word. <laughs> independence of a nation. It's an independence. Yes. So they want to reclaim the independence of timber. Okay. I got you. <laughs> and it was taken, the the independence was taken by Galbadia over a decade ago. Oh, so okay. fuck Galbadia again. Yeah, I was going to say, Galbadia seems like they suck. Yeah. Yeah, they're not cool. So, in order to get to Timber, they have to take a train. And while they're on the train, they randomly start feeling like Daisy and weak, uh, and they all pass out. Drugs? No. Oh. <laughs> magic come on now final oh, game. Um, i feel like magic is half drugs <laughs> so squall is so straight laced don't even fucking bother he's very straight edge no, these three these, on all of yeah, his knuckles these three fucking kids don't even know what drugs are so babies they pass out and they end up having this dream of a Galbadian soldier named Laguna Lore, I oh. believe. L O I R E. L O I R E? Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't know. I guess they went very French with it. I was going to say, that feels very French. So. Trap. I think I, think I always just call them Lori. That's fair. I'll just be referring to him as Lori. Laguna, anyways. Laguna. Laguna. Oh, right. That's much easier. His first name. And his two friends, Kiro Siegel and Ward Zabak. Those are some <laughs> easier to say. 
and they are in this time where Galbadia is invading Timber, and which happened, like I just said, 10 years ago. The three of them wake up, and they realize they all randomly passed out and had the same dream. Ooh, so they all dreamed of this. Very fucked up. They're a little freaked out, but they're like, well, we're in Timber now. We have to go do our job. because." So usually in Final Fantasy games, the way you get paid is you defeat fiends and every and you get money the way you get money in final fantasy 8 is you literally get paid you have a salary and the garden pays you oh okay every however many minutes is programmed into the game oh and you get a salary and depending on what you do you can increase your rank and you get more money Mm-hmm. So they're like, it's mission time. That's why I was like, we have to do our mission because we actually have a job. Money. This is a legit job, and this is what we're legit getting paid for. We literally can't <laughs> not do this. <laughs> we literally can't not do it because if we don't do it, the game won't go on. Mm-hmm. But we also, it is our job. There is no, like, <laughs> sit around and watch Netflix because you're on quarantine. Yes. Yes. So the forest owls end up being run by Renoa. Oh, yep. And the reason she no, was at I'm the dance last night. I'm double sad that they're not actual owls. <laughs> oh, that would be cute. Right? But, and the reason why she was at the dance last night to talk to Headmaster Sid was to get seeds to come help her. So their plan is to hijack a train that the Gilbadian president is on and to force him to release his hold on Timber. But it doesn't go as planned because the president on the train is actually a body double. Ah, Doombot. Yep, so not great. And they find out that the real president is at the Timber TV station. And he's making a broadcast to announce that a sorceress idea is going to be the nation's new empire. And this isn't good because the last time there was a sorceress that was in any kind of power, there hasn't been one for years. Mm -hmm. And it led to a big, massive war. And since then, which was basically 10 years ago, since then, sorceresses have been not around. Because they're very particular. There's not just a bunch of them. And normally it leads to not great things. Wampomp. I mean, if I was given a bunch of power, that's probably fair. So... They're like, okay, we have to get to this TV station, I guess. But things are going weird. At some point, Cypher, I think he's pissed that he didn't pass his test. And at the same time, he's sort of with Renoa. Like I said, Renoa was at the ball to talk to Headmaster Sid. I think it said, like, he's, like, trying to also look out for her a little bit. Okay. Goes basically fucking rogue on Balam Garden. And... Ends up storming the TV station and taking the president hostage while he's broadcasting live. Oh, no. Yeah. And Quistus was sent after Cypher. So she is also on the TV trying to be like Cypher. Chill the fuck out. (laughs) And she knows Squall and company is close by. I don't watch any live TV ever. Well, it's broadcasting like in timber on like giant TV. Have you thought about wearing a mask? She she (laughs) knows. People, everyone, wear masks. That's the new thing. Have you thought about just... Burying your head in the sand until (laughs) Uh, everything is done. So she makes like a call out over the TV because she knows they're close being like, hey, please come help me. Help. Because this is a problem. Yes. They rush over to the TV station. Mm -hmm. And just as they're getting there, the sorceress appears 
and she teleports away with the president and Cypher. Ah, shit. All right. Because of all this, basically everything in this part of the the hemisphere of this world of Final Fantasy VIII shuts down. So there's no transportation. Oh, no. Galbadia is thinking Balam sent Cypher. So they're kind of like, is this an act of war kind of Mm -hmm. thing? And they are stuck basically in timber and they don't have anywhere to retreat that would be safe. So... They all end up fleeing to the nearest garden, uh, which is Galbadia Garden. But Galbadia Garden has no affiliation with actual Galbadia and the regime. So basically they're told if you can't get back to your garden, go to the nearest garden. And they're all affiliated with each other, so they'll help each other out. So they flee to Galbadia Garden because there's no way they're getting back to Balaam. While they're on their way, this is where they pass out again and have another dream about Laguna and his friends. A joint dream. always only three of them. So however many people are in the dream Mm are how many people pass out. So if there are three people in the dream, three of them will pass out. If there are two people in the dream, only two of them will pass out. So three of them pass out. They see all three of them in the dream again. And it ends up being another shared dream of Laguna and his his friends. They end up at Galbadia Garden and they meet a sharpshooter. His name is Irvine. And he ends up joining his party. While they're there, they are hired by Galbadia's general, who is General Caraway. And he is hiring them to help assassinate Princess Adia. So he is the general of the army, but he's like, "Mm, I don't really like what the president is doing. And I don't fucking like this sorceress. So I'm going to hire these people to low key kill the the sorceress. Kill this person, but don't don't say that I'm involved. Yeah, basically. But also, I do believe this person should be yeah. dead. Bad news. She's bad news. Yeah, and this isn't good. They go to Galbadia to meet up with General Caraway. And they go to meet up with him. And literally, as they're about to meet up with him. So it's all of them at this point. It's Squall, Selfie, Zell, the original party. Mm-hmm. Quistus, Renoa, and now Irvine. No cipher. Cipher is, is never he part of the party. Pass. He's the one with the, with the sorceress. Oh. Yes. Okay. So we don't know. We think he could possibly be dead. We don't know what happened to him right now. But he vanished with the sorceress. Mm. They go meet up with General Caraway. And literally, they're waiting in the room to meet up with General Caraway. And they're making him wait. And they're like, where the fuck is this guy? And Renoa is just like... He always fucking does this. Let what me go fucking, fucking find him. So just as she's about to leave, she's like, oh, by the way, this is my house and he's my dad. I'm going to go find him. And leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't tell them <laughs> until she's like, oh, it's okay that I run around this house because this is it's my fine. house. It's my house. Also, you guys can just stay here. It's fine. Yes. So they're all like, fuck. <laughs> that's such okay, a bitch cool. Move. Yep. She's 17. It's typical. Oh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> While she's trying to go find her dad, he comes in. General Carraway comes in. And he's like, okay, here's the thing. We need to uh, assassinate the sorceress and during her inauguration parade. And here is the plan. Oh. We're going to split into two groups. They have an, an- <laughs> they have an inauguration parade. I'm sorry. 
Yes. They have a little car with the Pope. Like he's on, on a the big top. giant float. That's just such a bad idea. So they're That's like, "That's why they have the Pope car." Yeah, with the little So she's on a she's window. a sorceress though. So tons That's of power. That's true. She tons can of protect magic. herself, and she is an eighty. But we'll get to that. There, he's like, "Here's the plan. She's going to be at an inauguration parade. A bunch of things are going to go around. There's going to be a bunch of people. Yada yada yada." She's going to go under this big, like, bridge thing at some point. And when she is, we're going to split into two groups. One group is going to go pull these levers that are going to close the bridge. So she'll be trapped under there. And then the other group with Irvine in it, because Irvine is a sniper sharpshooter, mm-hmm. you and the, uh, that group will be up somewhere and, and shoot will shoot her. If something doesn't happen and it doesn't end up working, the leader of the group, who they all name Squall for some reason, even though he's been a seed for a day, and they don't name Quistus, who's been a seed and a teacher for a over a year. This is my they surprise. Name Squall, first. and they're like, if some reason Irvine can't get her, everything's already going to be off. So you have to run down there, and you just basically have to cut her head off. We're doing a lot of decapitation here. It's they didn't good... say that. I said that. <laughs> But they were like, you have to go finish it if he doesn't have do it. Have you thought about cutting off her head? <laughs> I feel like that's the most effective way to finish anything. Okay, so. Fair. They break up into groups. Irvine ends up nearly having, like, an anxiety attack. Same. And doesn't, he's like, I act up because he's like the, hey, ladies, lady man. And then he's like, I know I'm a sharpshooter, but the pressure is too much. I can't handle this. I'm going to go cry in the corner. <laughs> yes, basically. Squall gives him the worst pep talk ever. <laughs> I'm like, if this was a legit pep talk, there's no way Irvine would have ever got up the courage and the calm to do this. Because that is the worst pep talk I've ever heard in my life. He was basically just like, fuck you, you need to do this. Like, that was, was like, not a good pep talk, Squall. Cool. But, ends up talking him down somehow. And he does take the shot. But, the sorceress, being a fucking magical being, puts up a barrier and stops the bullet. So, this forces Squall to go attack her head on. He... Fight Cypher first, who we find out isn't dead, and listen, you have to listen to all this before you make any comments, okay? (laughs) He has to fight Cypher, who isn't dead, but he is now her knight. His words, not mine. Okay. Cypher calls himself the Sorceress's Knight. So, basically, this is his first crush, is what you're saying. Basically. (laughs) I have so many emotions about the sorceress, and she thinks I'm special enough. She's using you so bad, boy. It's not hard. Ugh. It looks like um, it's very, very easy to use you this much. I know, right? Boy, it's it real bad. Okay, so Adia, who's the sorceress, mm-hmm. is pissed. You know, they ruined her parade, and they tried to kill her. So yeah, she's that's like, rude. Fuck you. Excuse me, this and is my parade. after you fight Cypher, and you... I don't think you fight Adia. I think you just fight Cypher. The pretty cutscene happens. She makes these big magical ice shards and she throws them at the party, which consists of Irvine, Squall, and Renoa. Uh, and you they, can only have three at a time. So right? it's only three at a time in a party. And the other party is doing the. And this has to be the party. A lot of times you can choose your members, but this will always be the party. It would always be Irvine, Squall, and Renoa. And in this scene. 
it misses Renoa, it misses Irvine, but it catches Squall, a big one, right in his shoulder, chest area, big ice right through, and he ends up falling off the float. And the last thing he sees is Renoa, like, reaching, running, and reaching towards him over the float, and then he passes out. Mm-hmm. This is the end of disc one, and this is an important scene for when we come to that conspiracy, okay? So re- every, remember that, okay? Remember everything basically so far, but this, <laughs> this is where they, a lot of people will say the conspiracy starts, okay? okay? Mm-hmm. That scene. So, disc two starts. Squall wakes up after having another dream of being Laguna. And in this dream, it introduces a woman named Rain and a little girl named, I always pronounce it, Elone. E-L-L-O-N-E. Yeah. Elone? Elone, which is how I always pronounce yeah. it. And I literally even was like, I looked it up, like, how would you say this? And the <laughs> search engine I looked at was like, that's not a real name. <laughs> so we don't know. I was like, cool. That's very, very so relatable. So Elone, because her name is going to come up often, is how I'm going to be pronouncing mm-hmm. it. So after he wakes up having this dream, he's in a prison and his wounds are completely healed. That's good. But maybe not. And he ends up being like, chained up to a wall and cypher comes out and just starts torturing him like electric shock trying to get information about the seeds and he's just like i don't know i'm telling you everything that i yeah. know that you know because you were also trying to be a seed I'm i don't still know not 100 percent sure yeah. why they uh, capitalized where <laughs> yes but we're mercenaries <laughs> for hire that's what we are i don't know what you're asking me mm-hmm and all his other teammates are also locked up in here as well. They all got arrested and got locked up in this prison. With the help of these cute little lion tiger cat creatures, the Moombas that you know of, because I've showed you them before. <laughs> this is the first time they're introduced. Oh, they uh, they break out. And this is right now, it's Zell, Selfie, and Quistus that break out. They follow these cute little Moomba creatures that keep yelling Laguna, which is, they're like, that name's familiar. Huh, You've weird. Had dream, I've had a thousand It's the dreams only thing they're that. saying. They're saying Laguna, and they end up leading them to Squall. At this time, the people who were torturing Squall left the room and told the Moombas to look after him. The Moombas released him. They just keep yelling Laguna, and then other Moombas led the group to release Squall. They break out of prison, all of them. Renoa's there, Irvine's there. They all break out together, and they find out that Adia, okay, her name is Adia, and I kept writing Adia, and apparently I didn't realize this last night when I was writing it at one in the morning, that my iPad kept auto-correcting it to Eden because this is like the fourth time it said Eden on me. But it's a Dia. <laughs> I had many of those. <laughs> um, and she wants revenge on the seed and the garden and she basically plans on blowing up the gardens. Sounds like a good time. Yes. Girl, yeah. So, like I said, they find this out so they break into two groups. Uh, one of them is going to go to the place where they're launching the missiles to try to stop launching the missiles. Mm-hmm. And they find out they haven't shot the missiles at Balaam yet. So the other group goes to Balaam to try to be like, hey, there's missiles coming this way. We should do something about that. <laughs> 
Squall's uh, Squall and his group. Mm-hmm. That's me opening another can, uh, just for yes. everyone knows. This time it is truly orange. Truly. Uh, Squall arrives at Balam Garden to find it's basically in an uproar. Students are fighting other students. They're fighting the these weird teachery people. They're these weird like outfits that you monsters. can't see. Yeah, they're not really teachers. They're sort of just like the faculty, random faculty. Some are siding with Headmaster Sid, who is the headmaster that we talked about before and have met. And some are uh, siding no. with who they call the Garden Master, NORG, all capitals, but doesn't stand for anything. Not an acronym. There's no acronyms in Final Fantasy VIII. Um, but, at the, and so NORG is apparently the one who funds the garden and just sees it as a mere profit venture, but we've never heard of him before. This is the first time he's ever come up. It's always just been Sid. But he's pissed about everything that's happened because they're basically getting blamed for assassinating Adia or attempting to. And they're like, we don't want her wrath or he doesn't. So he basically is like, I'm taking over the garden. I'm the true ruler, even though I've never been heard of before. And the seeds don't exist anymore. And yada, yada, yada. Mm Um, so because of this, it basically causes a revolt. Like I said, everyone split. A lot of the students, basically all the students and the seeds are all on Sid's side, while all the faculty are on Norg's side. Ah. So it ends up, Squall ends up fighting and killing Norg. But during their battle, they have a conversation and Norg tells you, so Squall finds out that Sid and Adia are indeed married. So Squall kills Norg, and then he's like, what the fuck, Sid? Why didn't you fucking say anything you did And so before they left the garden, the sorceress wasn't a thing. They haven't been back to the garden since the sorceress has been a thing. Okay. Okay. But he's like, what the fuck, bro? And Sid's like, yes, she is my wife. Not, she is, not was. They're she is. Married. They are still married. Boy. Yes, she is my wife, but that doesn't, like, stuff happened. We went our separate ways, even though we're still married. But the garden's true purpose and the reason why the seeds were founded is because this battle against the sorceresses are fated, and you are basically, it's your destiny to fight the sorceress. <laughs> don't um, fuck it up. But he is pretty bummed, because I don't think he realized that Adia was a sorceress like this shit happened and he went and did this and Adia went and did her thing but he seems pretty bummed and I said womp womp at the fact I love Adia but we'll get to that one thing so selfies party goes to stop the launch they fail and you're not sure if they survive or not because there's a self-destruct that goes off okay they Mm -hmm. self-destruct the base so the missiles with a PH So the missiles are launched, and luckily that they find out that the garden can fly. It can only sort of do it, and it malfunctions. So they get out of the way, but it ends up sort of just crashing into the water that is close to Balam Garden. So now it's just sort of floating in the ocean. And they get intercepted by this ship called, uh, what they call themselves, the White Seeds. And they want to take Elone, talking about Elone mm-hmm. once again, away and take her to safety 
This is where Squall's like, I remember that name from my dream. Elone or? Elone. L-E-L-L-O-N-E. Yeah. Elone. I couldn't remember if that was the name he remembered. Yes. Or a different one. Elone. Elone and Rain were the ones from the. I do actually yeah. remember how they were spelled. Yes. Though. Not Rain because we didn't discuss that. But it doesn't <laughs> There's matter. There's an E at the end of her name. Cool. R-A-I-N-E. But they're like, we don't know where she is. But then he's he puts two and two together that the girl that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. is the girl that they randomly run into a few times. So the girl in the infirmary and the girl in oh, the training center is also Ellen. Is the Ellen that at least the white seeds are looking for. Whether she's the same one from Laguna's dream, the Laguna dream or not, not sure yet. Okay. How many Ellen's can there possibly be? I know, right? Be? But who the fuck knows? <laughs> Maybe Ellen is like Anne of, of the Tudor <laughs> period, okay? Henry did marry two Annes. So... <laughs> <laughs> and two Catherines. My name is um, Martha Ellen Bartlett. <laughs> so he does end up running into her. And he's like, who the fuck are you? And she does reveal that she is the one sending them back to those dreams. She is the alone in that dream. But she won't reveal why. Why she's doing it. Rude. But she is the one that is making them pass out and end up in those dreams with Laguna. It's always Laguna. Mm-hmm. Other characters involved, but it's always Laguna. But she does seem bummed because she's like, she clearly knows Squall. And Squall's like, I have no fucking idea who you are. Um, and then she ends up leaving with the White Seeds, which were the bodyguards that came and got her that other time. So Blom is right now, the garden is just floating around in the water and they end up crashing into Fisherman's Horizon because they really have no control of the ship because the ship hasn't been used in a million years like this. So all the controls are basically rusty. If you don't use a car for a while, you know, things don't yeah, work well. Yeah, you have to start it every yeah, now and then. Same thing. But conveniently, the team that went to the missile base ends up there as well. So you find out they're still alive and everybody reunites and they're like, okay. They find out that Adia is looking for Elon, so they're like, hey, let's get the garden fixed, and maybe we should try to figure that out, because she clearly has some magical powers, and Adia is bad, so... Yeah, and Elon. Yes. Sid decides he doesn't want to be the headmaster anymore, and is like, hey, Squall, I know you have been the fucking seed for about three days now. But here, you should take control of the whole <laughs> garden and lead it. <laughs> I know you're married to this lady, and it's a big deal. That's Sid, right? Yeah. Excuse so, me. Squall, and he goes into how it's like, it's your destiny. And Squall's like, fuck destiny, that's dumb, literally. He's like, fuck that shit. And he's like, and I really don't want to run the garden. The most relatable shit yes. in the entire world. <laughs> I really like, don't want I, to do this. I need you to be in charge of this thing. Like, I'm going to take a fucking nap. I'm going to take a step back. Uh, um, but he ends that up. That sounds horrible, so no. <laughs> but he ends up taking control of the garden because he's pressured. And, um, yeah. So, first rule, he's like, okay, well, let's go back to Balam and try to find Elon because that's, I don't know, they get a hint that she's there. They find out that Balam is completely under Galbadia's control, and, uh, they have to take it back. So they Mm do, and they still don't find Elon there. So Balam's like, okay, next up, let's go to Trabia Garden. 
Now, Trabio was actually destroyed from the missiles. Mm-hmm. It was a te- it was a garden that the missiles hit. It was the first one they sent after, and it was the first one that was hit. But it's rebuilding itself. They're resilient. Apparently, they didn't have too many deaths from the like, fucking well, missiles hitting them. We all hid under um, the stairs, so it's fine. So, somewhere along the way, randomly, Irvine's like, hey, everyone. I know none of you remember this, but I have this memory. And everyone <laughs> but Renoa, we're all orphans, and we were all in the same orphanage together. Uh, everyone. So everyone except Renoa, because Renoa has her dad. So The only is, one who can remember their parents. Yes. So Irvine, Squall, Selfie, Zal, Quistus. They were all brought up in the same orphanage Orphanage together. pals. They're all 17 except Quistus, who is 18. And... Boy. The caretaker of the orphanage, so their caretaker, her name was Adia. Oh. But he's the only one that can remember this. They end up finding out that the reason why he can remember and no one else can is because the guardian forces mess with that part of their brain when they use them. And if you remember from the beginning, Balam Garden is the only garden that uses guardian forces irvine's not from balam garden he's from galbadia garden right so he hasn't had anything playing with his brain until recently when you used to have him in your party so for the past day and a half basically <laughs> that's all it's been <laughs> so that's why he's saying he can remember and then that's when they all start getting memories of this orphanage and that stuff. Mm -hmm. So they're like, okay, let's go. Okay, so I either spelled this wrong or my my fucking iPad decided to change (laughs) it. But it doesn't say forces. It just says forks with a C. (laughs) Just so you know. Okay, anyway, so they're like, hey, let's go check out this orphanage. Maybe we'll find some clues on why Adia became an evil sorceress. Mm -hmm. But Galbardia Garden is already there. So they're like, fuck this. Let's go charge Galbadia Garden and let's fucking end this shit. So they fight Cypher. They fight Adia. Adia points out once again that he's the legendary sea that's destined to face her and destroy her. Once again, we're back on this destiny thing. Destiny. They defeat Cypher. They defeat Adia. Once they do this, though, Renoa starts to act strange. Mm-mm. She revives Cypher, who you apparently killed. Oh. And then she passes out. Okay. Now that Adia is defeated, she seems different. She seems like she remembers who they are. Oh, my God, how much you guys have grown up from when you were young. And then she goes to be like, look. I was being possessed by a sorceress from the distant future named Ultimacia. That's who you've been fighting up till now. It hasn't actually been me. Now, she explains that Ultimacia has plans to compress time to gain the sorceress's powers from all different times. So that way she can basically have all their powers become godlike and be the ultimate power. Sounds like so much work. Yes. Uh, it does. <laughs> no, Ultimacia is looking for Elon because she has those mystical, some kind of powers that we haven't gotten into yet, but we know there's something because she's the one sending them back into mm-hmm. time. So that way she can make sure she can so get all these sorcerers. Yes. She can get all these sorcerers' powers 
Now, basically, when you destroy, like, a body or a um, capsule, so Adia was almost just basically a body for a sorceress, Mm -hmm. she has something in her that allows her to control the power, but once she dies, the power will go to the closest thing that could possibly be another sorceress. So, like, a successor. It is possible that an individual can become a successor to multiple sorceresses. Oh! So, Ultimacy's plan is to basically make this one person become a successor for all of them. Say, and so, if you're boss-ass bitch enough, you yes. can get everybody. And then she's powers. just going to take over this one person. Okay, I respect that. That's her plan. All right, so that's the end of disc two. So, disc three. Disc three. It starts, Renoa is still in that coma. So at the end of this two, after the battle, she passes out and she hasn't woken up from it. Oh, okay. So while she's out, Squall suddenly like, oh my God, I don't want to be a loner anymore and I love her. Gross. <laughs> you know, as 17 year old boys do. That's very, <laughs> very true. Okay, no, you make a good point. It's definitely still gross. But it makes more sense as a 17-year-old. Yep. I'm in love! Yep, basically. I've never been so in love <laughs> in my life! This is real! <laughs> so, he comes up with a plan. He's like, let me find Elone. And I'm going to have her send me back in time, because that seems to be what she can do. True. Fair. And then I can do oh. shit to prevent Renoa's coma. Oh. So, that's his plan, okay? Oh, okay. They learn um, that Elon is in a hidden nation of Esthar. E-S-T-H-A-R. I think Esthar. that's right. Esthar. Yep. It's not a nicely said No. One. I think it, think when I quickly it. read it, I always just say Esthar, but it is definitely a th- <laughs> noise in there. So Esthar. And so while Squall is in the infirmary sitting with Renoa because he's like, I love you, uh, yes. he falls asleep. And he has another dream of being Laguna. And in this dream, he finds out that Elon, the young Elon, who has been kidnapped by the sorceress, Adele. E-D-E-L. Adele. So we're bringing... So this is in the past, a 10 years ago. A new old sorceress. A new old sorceress. <laughs> so this, 10 years ago, was when the sorceress wars happened. Oh. So sorceress Adele. Okay. I want to be there. Why can't we have those wars? <laughs> That's much more interesting. And I bet right. everybody has better outfits. Um, when Squall wakes up, he's like, you know what? Let's fucking do this. So he takes Renoa, he picks her up, and carries her to fucking Esther. Esther. <laughs> Whatever we said it was. Esther. Esther. I think he, like, literally piggybacks her there. He's only the fucking leader of Blom now, and he piggybacks her there. It's like, it's fine, I got this. And all of his friends find out what he's doing and basically join him and are like, yes, bis, yes. Yes, bis, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to give you a little background on Esther. (laughs) Just because it is kind of important. So... Galbadia's major political rival, mm-hmm. and it is technologically advanced. 
So when they go in there, it's like nothing. They're all that, like, oh, yeah, wow. Nothing they've ever seen and nothing you've seen yet as you're playing this game. You've never seen any technology like this. Oh. Like their sidewalks have like moving sidewalks. I love and, a moving Yeah, sidewalk. like so it's just technologically advanced. Everything nothing is else just is like, like that. the Atlanta unit. Atlanta Universe. She meant the Atlanta fucking airport, which we go to yearly. Join us at DragonCon. Or don't. Um, we don't or care. Don't. We don't really care it's at all. Crowded. Unless you're going to buy us a drink. That's fair. Come, please. In <laughs> this place, it is governed by a president, as oh, opposed to just, like, democracy. Yep. Yeah, yep. And since the Sorceress Wars, because it was, like, the epicenter of the Sorceress Wars, mm-hmm. it's been hidden from the world. Oh. And so no one knows where it is. Great. So the party arrives, and Squall begins to feel nauseous again. Same. And him and his friends end up falling asleep once again, and they end up in their dream world again. This time, Laguna is actually in Estar, and he located Elon, little cute eight-year-old Elon, within a Dr. Odin's lab. Hmm. So Dr. Odin, he's, he comes up a few other times. He's apparently like an expert on sorceresses and their magic. So he's basically researching Elon because her powers are something that has never been like a thing before. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel great about that. Yeah, right? So he's like, I'm going to research this eight-year-old. Yeah, you know, and she might not even be eight. She might be like six. Like, she might be younger than that. That's so much worse. Yeah, right? But they kidnapped her. Remember how she got kidnapped? They kidnapped her because even back then, Sorceress Adele, it all still links up with Sorceress Ultimacy as planned from the future. It goes all the way to the top. Yeah. They wake up and they find out that Alone is not in the city, but she's on this base called Lunar Base, which is actually... Up in space! Yeah, I had a feeling that was going that way. So they... Since it sounds so, like it's on the moon. They split lunar. up. You know my cat's name is Luna, right? So they split up into groups. And one of the groups goes up to space. Boop, boop. So the lunar base is a space station that is on the surface. Just a moon study. Mm-hmm. But is actually there to just oversee Sorceress Adele because she was sealed away so that she couldn't pass her powers on to a successor. Bullshit. So that's the actual front of the base is that just like, hey, we're studying the moon. Oh, look, the moon's so wonderful. Just kidding. This is Sorceress Jail. But no. So back to the group that didn't go to space. They find out about this pillar, right? Because all of a sudden, this giant pillar basically, like, did you just knock something over? Oh, no. <laughs> Martha lost her glasses. No. Um, not my glasses. I can't see without my glasses. <laughs> so this giant, like, pillar comes out of fucking nowhere. So oh, they're shit. like, oh, what the fuck is that? And they're like, oh, that's what's called the Lunatic Pandora. Mm. Okay, sounds not good, right? No. It was created by Esther long ago, 
to artificially trigger this thing called the Lunar Cry, which makes just basically a whole bunch of monsters fall to the planet <laughs> from the moon. Just makes everyone so cry. So apparently the moon's just inhabited by planets, and when this thing goes off, like we'll dump all, all our these, shit on there. Yeah, they're like, and we need a we need a reboot. Shake out like a fucking salt shaker <laughs> onto the, the planet. Poop 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 poop. <laughs> So that's what this thing does. It was built under the Sorcerer Sedal's rule, but when she was overthrown, the new people were like, fuck no, this isn't cool, and they buried it at the bottom of the ocean. Hmm. But Cypher, our good friend Cypher, that's, uh, uh, that Cypher. Renoa fucking revived, Why? <laughs> was like, nope, this is part of Ultimacy's plan, and somehow figures out how to unsink this thing, and it <laughs> unsinks from the ocean. <laughs> unsink. The group infiltrates the Pandora, but they hit some point and they can't go any further and they get bounced by a Galbadian robot. Mm -hmm. Back to the moon. Actually, I said back in space. Back in space. The final frontier. The moon, the final frontier. (laughs) We're not going any further because we're all going to die. Everything's tired after that. (laughs) Squall finds Elon and he's like, hey, I have all my memories back and I remember you. And guess what? Elone is his sister from the orphanage. And she was taken away because of her powers. And he has this thing where he's like, I was abandoned. Because he just remembers her leaving mm-hmm. and has this thing. God. But he's like, I remember. And now that I'm older, I understand that you were like forcefully taken yeah. away. But she's his sister. <laughs> <laughs> Some big air quotes And, there. yeah, I mean, they're, like, maybe half-sisters. I never... This gets complicated in, like, a totally other, like, I could go down a rabbit hole of another podcast with this video game. But, so, when you first see the plot, Elon is just part of the family with Rain, and Laguna becomes part of it. And I guess you could say Elon might be Rain's daughter, and Rain basically saved Laguna. I just always figured Elon was, like an orphan that Rain found and took in and ended up raising and ended up at this orphanage later on we'll talk about. But she could be, she I guess she could be Elon's actual, I mean, uh, Rain's actual child. I never mm-hmm. really thought about that. So he's like, can you please, 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 I understand your powers, send me back into the past so I can, Renoa's past, so I can save her from, because she's still unconscious. Uh-huh. And Ellen's like, yeah, no, that's not actually how my powers work. I can send you back in time, but it's only your conscious. You can't actually change anything. You can sort of just see and observe as an outer source and maybe learn the reason of things happening and get a better understanding. Mm-hmm. Because she then is like, the whole reason I've been sending you back in time is because I've been trying to stop everything that's happened because I still want our family of me and you and and Laguna Laguna. and Rain. Rain. She's like, but that's not how it works. Renoa wakes up, but it's because Ultimacia ends up taking possession of her body. Mm -hmm. And... No one's paying attention. So Renoa puts on a spacesuit and pops out into space <laughs> and unseals Adele's tomb. <laughs> yeah, no one's there having like an emotional brosis moment apparently. And Renoa's just like, I'm going to do this thing. I'll be right. I'll be right. You just, you just keep talking. I just have to use the bathroom for a while. <laughs> so because once Adele's released, 
Ultimacia basically abandons Renoa's body in space, so now Renoa is just floating in space. And the lunatic Pandora back on the ground triggers the lunar cry once Adele wakes up. And basically, it just starts raining monsters on the world. So instead of like, it's raining men, hallelujah, it's no, it's just raining it's monsters raining of terror. Monsters. And they're shit. killing everyone. <laughs> <laughs> womp womp. I mean, I'd much rather prefer monsters, but that's fine. I don't know. What kind of men are we talking about? Are Six you like, half are you the like other? raining Asgard men? They're up in the sky, right? I mean. I mean <laughs> and women. You can also rain women there. they're in Ohio. Ohio. All right. Raining monsters. In the middle of the evacuation, so everyone's like, we need to evacuate the lunar base here. This is a problem. Elon's like, oh, I'm randomly going to send you back in time squall to Renoa's past. Elon's kind of a bitch. She's kind of, one time, so I didn't mention this, but one of the times she sends them back previously, she's like, he wakes up to Elon being like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> My bad! <laughs> what a bitch! Oh <laughs> Squall's like, what? You just made me pass out in the middle of the fucking street and you're like, my fucking bad? Are you gonna pick me up, you stupid little poop? <laughs> oh my god, so uh, So, in the middle of this all, Ellen sends back Squall back in time to Renoa's past. And this is where Squall discovers that Renoa, when they stopped Adia... And killed Cypher. Quote, um, quotes. Renoa was possessed by Ultimacia um. and became a sorceress. So Squall wakes up and he's like, shit, Renoa is floating in space right now. But she has magic? So, no. so Ultimacia abandoned her. So she's okay, kind so of in this doesn't. weird lingo so right now. Yeah. So she's basically able to have sorceress magic, but without she Without being the it. successor, she's she's not. She doesn't actually have sorcerer's power. That's fair. Squall's like, oh shit, I love her. I need to go rescue her. Back Squall. to that shit. And Squall goes and rescues Renoa because uh, he loves her or something. Ew. And he goes rescues her. He helps her turn on like this uh, emergency air supply in her spacesuit. And his like escape pod that he was on is now just also floating in space because he abandoned it. So luckily, they're floating in space and they're like, well, I guess we're going to die together because I went to rescue you. But I had no plan after the getting to you part. If you came to me and were like, I guess we're just going to die together, I'd just throw you out. (laughs) No. (laughs) Rude. What? Are you kidding me? But luckily for them, there's this spaceship that's just floating and hanging out by the lunar base called the Ragnarok. Oh! Yeah, it's just been floating there for a while. They don't know how long, and conveniently it's there. And luckily for them, this spaceship still has oxygen and a way to contact the ground base. Yeah. That's convenient! Something do sick. nonsense right there. <laughs> so, they're, like, uh, talking on the base, and they're like, this is what's happening. Please come help us, yada, yada, yada. Help. Or help us fix this ship so we can turn it on. And while talking to everyone in Esthar, Squall is like, hey, just so you know, Renault is the sorceress. And Esthar is like, hey, 
Fuck sorceresses. We want you to hand her over once we get there. Oh, and yeah. we're basically gonna seal her up like we did Adele because she ha- is a threat. Like even. <laughs> I held on to that joke for so long, though. I held it. There's only one E in this Adele. Whatever. This person's just bad at spelling. <laughs> so they end up getting the Ragnarok to work. They land it on their world. Renoa hands herself over, being like, hey, I'm a threat, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And Squall is all pouty about it, but she does it anyways. So they come, they take Renoa, they go to steal her away. And while Squall is off, basically pouting somewhere and being mopey and, oh, I said emo, but my thing auto-corrected it to Elmo. <laughs> His friends come and find him, and he's like, hey, you love her or something, so you should go. Elmo <laughs> That tickles! I'm going to kill myself. This is the end of the podcast. Sorry, this is the last episode. <laughs> we had a good one and a half podcast run. <laughs> Okay, okay, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> that tickle. <laughs> I had to tickle me, Elmo. I hate you so much. <laughs> so they're I'm all like, hey. Way too old for that shit. <laughs> no. Okay. I was like probably seven or eight when Tickle Me Elmo came out. I love Sesame Street. There is a video of me and my sisters with blankets on being like the count and like flying oh, around. No. I mean, I love Sesame Street too, but also by the time it tickly, Tickle Me Elmo Tickle Me out. Elmo. Tickle <laughs> Hey Siri, what year did Tickle Me Elmo come out? True facts. Tickle Me Elmo was formed in 1996. Yeah, I was six. Okay. <laughs> no, so I it might have been older, too old for you, but it wasn't definitely too old yeah. for me. No, I forget. Remember, when you're like six and nine, that is a big age difference. Sorry, continue. <laughs> tangent. <laughs> this is the end of the tangent. So Squall, so Squall's friends are like, "Hey, go save her. You're gonna regret it if you don't, because you're lo- you're in love with her and shit." And you're super whiny. Yeah. No, he's not whiny at all. Actually, oh, you described him as emo, so I just he's emo, but he's like internally emo. You know, like the emos that are just like, hmm. I'm just gonna my hair's in my eyeball. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes and rescues her, and they all escape back to Adia's little house that she had when they were in their orphanage. Renault is all skeptical of the future, being like, oh no, I'm basically a sorceress and you're a seed, which is there to destroy sorceresses. The Capulets and but, Montagues. Yes, but Squall's all like, it's okay. You're not my enemy. I love you. We'll be okay. <laughs> basically, which is what it is. <laughs> and then they make a promise. There's like a big field that's full of beautiful flowers. And I say this, it's not important to you, but if you, like, watch or play the game, the flower field comes back a lot. Mm -hmm. And they're like, if we're ever separated, we're going to meet here. (laughs) So, Esthar contacts Squall, and they're like, okay, I know you broke Renoa out, but it's fine. We're not going to be mad. We have one more mission for you as a seed. Murder her. So they're like, okay, as long as you promise not to lock Renoa up, we'll come back. So they go back, 
And at this point, if I believe correctly, because I didn't get, I haven't gotten through the game all the way completely again. I played it a long time ago, and I'm redoing the remake now. Mm-hmm. Asthar is basically overrun by monsters right now because they all ran down from the moon. So as you're like running through the city, you're just fighting monsters, which awesome. is a pain in the ass. I mean, bad for you, good for me. <laughs> so they get through it all. So they end up meeting the president of Asthar, who mm-hmm. assigned them the mission who is none other than Laguna himself. What the fuck? Yes. Mr. President, I have been dreaming about you a lot. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> he is, his, his hair is still as beautiful. He's still great. Laguna's fucking great. Laguna was the one who ended up kicking out Adele all those years ago. He's the one that basically saved everyone and locked away oh, Adele. All songs are back. And yep, yep, basically. Uh-huh, rolling in the deep, baby. <laughs> and um that's that's her singing from her lockup. I'm rolling in the deep right now. So he kicked out Adele. He saved Elon and he ended up becoming as president. <laughs> Hello from the other side. <laughs> She's called a thousand times. No one is listening to her. <laughs> she just wants to say sorry for the things that she's done. <laughs> Anyways, here's Laguna's plan. This We're still in the past. Laguna's plan originally, he's like, okay, I'm going to return Elon to Windhill, which is where Rain and they were from. Mm-hmm. And once everything calms down in Esthar, because... Basically, they overturned the the rule, so chaos is in this fucking place right now. Mm-hmm. Once everything calms down and it gets more under control, I'll head back there. But Rain ends up dying, <sighs> and Elon ends up in the orphanage with this baby that Laguna didn't know existed, but is Rain's new baby. Oh no! So all you can really put together is thinking squall and rain our brother and sister is that this new baby is definitely rains and it is definitely squall and the big thing that most i think most people and what i believe is laguna is the father that makes sense it only makes sense there's clear if there was a scene when they went back in time where elon is basically asking when Rain and Laguna are going to get married so they can all be a family. Uh, so it can only be assumed that they were sorted together. And Rain ended up dying in what I assume was childbirth because they went to the orphanage when they were very young. This was very quickly after Elon got returned home. And Laguna never knew about the baby, but he did find out that Rain died and ended up becoming the president of Esthar, so he just never returned home. Oh. So that's that story. But it doesn't, they don't go and they're like, we'll talk later. And there's Warden Kiros, who we know from the dreams, sometimes also hint at things. And Laguna's always like, we'll talk about it later. So, yeah. So it's never legit talked about, but it's super hinted at. When you're older. Yeah. That that Squall is more than likely the son of Laguna and Rain. And through unfortunate circumstances, Laguna abandoned them and never, never really knew until much later. Yeah. Laguna ends up explaining to them that Elon did survive the lunar base destruction, but when she landed 
on it's not Earth, the world, whatever their whatever. world is. She was taken captive by Galbadian forces, and she's now being held in the lunatic, uh, the lunatic Pandora. So they're like, okay, we need to rescue her, but we also need to stop Ultimacia because she is the real fucking problem here. So Dr. Odin is like, okay, so I made this machine called the Junction Machine Alone Prototype. Now, Junction is what they refer to when they like combine themselves with a GF in order to use a GF in the game. It's called junction. There's a function, the guardian force. That's what they call them. GFs. So the summon, sorry, I've been calling them guardians. (laughs) I know. So the first time I ever played this game, they just kept referring to them as GFs and me and the person I was, it was my cousin. We were playing it and we were like, who the fuck is this GF? Do we have a fucking girlfriend? No. (laughs) Guardian forces, guardian forces. So, yes, the guardian forces, in order to like combine with them and to use their their magic, you have to junction them. That's literally what it's called. If you go into the screen, it's called junction. And you that's how you use magic and do everything. The the battle system of Final Fantasy is very different from any other Final Fantasy. So it's called the junction machine alone prototype and he what how he made it was by the information and uh, that he gathered all those years ago when she was in his lab and he was taking oh yes yep he then explains that in the future where ultimacy is from so the ultimacy is from the future okay she has an updated version of this machine which is actually allowing her to go back in time possessing the bodies so she can take the sorceress's powers. Okay. But the machine still has its limits into regard of how far it can go back in time. So she needs Elone to actually to send more. her back into other past. And I'm guessing however far in the future she is, even though it's not too far in the future, Elone's probably dead. Because it's probably far enough in the future that she's not alive anymore. Yeah. So at the time, the company was called Squaresoft. It's now Square Enix. Yes. But the company Squaresoft gets all cliche and corny on us. And Dr. Um, Odin and uh, Laguna have a complicated plan to stop Ultimacia. So basically, the seeds would have to go into a universe of compressed time. Where the only way to survive this universe of compressed time is if Squall and his friends are able to keep their bond strong enough between each other about thinking about things that connect them. I'm and their friends. So the power of friendship, friendship is how they survive through this time compression. This and the only way they're able game? to defeat Ultimacia. Hard judgment. <laughs> I don't think I took in a lot of this when I was playing the game. I think I was just like train and battle, train and battle, which is how I play RPGs. Get really strong and fight things. (laughs) So, Squaresoft, friendship, friendship, power of heart, Mm -hmm. heart, heart, go (laughs) planet. We're going to mention Captain Planet in Oh my god. So, step one, party invades Lunatic Pandora. Cypher captures Renoa and basically is like, here, Ultimacia, have her, mm-hmm. which is all part of the plan. They need her to take Renoa in order to get into this dimension. 
Squall's party fights her. Ultimacia ends up in Renoa's body like they planned. The group ends up in this time compression universe where they can only survive with friendship. Yada, yada, yada. So Squall and his friends travel through time and future to reach Ultimacia's castle. They basically find the world is just in ruin. It's a dark world. It's all ruled by Ultimacia. And it's just this, this, I was going to say oblique. This oblique place. It's not a, the side ab. It is a dark and gloomy place. Oh, I hate you. Everyone, do some crunches. And um, <laughs> that was a problem in the last podcast. I'm also going to mention abs every single podcast. And they fight her. Like all final boss battles, there's like 40 different forms you have to go through mm-hmm. and all this shit. But they do defeat her. And once you defeat her, this is when it goes into that long ending scene. The links between Squall Renoa's Quisses, Zell, Selfie, and Irvine proved to be too much for Ultimacia to overcome, and she explodes and is no more. Oh, hey. <laughs> yep. So after she goes boom, reality mm-hmm. starts to revert into its original form, but everybody kind of gets thrown off and starts to make their way back in time, but they have to basically find their own way back right you now. You can go your own way. You can go your own way. Go your own way. Mark and I have been singing a lot lately, and I, I guess it's because quarantine is making us crazy. I don't fucking Our care. Our life has become a musical. Fuck you. <laughs> Reality starts to revert to its original form. Everyone's sprawled out, and they all have to find their own way back. So through this, you mostly just follow Squall through his weird journey. And it's sort of this, like, weird little... It's, it is it is a long... Final Fantasy has a long ending scene, so it is probably a good, like, 20-minute ending. Oh, wow. Yep. So this part of it is a weird journey between almost like a past, present, future, vortexy. Things are going weird. You're not exactly sure what's going on. He may just be going crazy, and it almost appears like he's vanishing into nothingness. Hmm. but then it kind of goes black and then the very last scene is someone's recording at Balam Garden and everyone's there everyone seems happy they're all joking around squalls with Renoa and it's just a happy ending and the sorceresses are done okay that was Final Fantasy 8 and what probably doesn't seem like a nutshell but a (laughs) nutshell okay It is four discs of gameplay. Remember that. Four discs. So here's the conspiracy, okay? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we did also go on a lot of tangents. So, oh, I almost tried to drink my drink from the wrong side of the can. <laughs> Just drowns and I never know what this time conspiracy is. Okay, so what's the conspiracy? What is it? The conspiracy is that Squall actually dies and is dead for most of the game. Okay. So, you remember towards the end of the first disc when Adia shoots him with all the The thing that you were like, pay attention, Pay fucking attention to this. Yes. Yes. The ice shards hit him, and they're big. Like, they're not little. You can look up a picture. Like, they're big ice shards, and it hits them right here. Mm-hmm. And then the very next Right here is... Right here is basically my left shoulder slash chest. Yes. It's sort of around there. So I know you can't see it. I forget I'm podcasting and I'm not just talking to Martha. The very next scene is Squall waking up in the prison and he's totally fine. No wound, no nothing. So the conspiracy is that he isn't fine. And his fact is that he died in that scene. 
So the first scene after the parade, Squall wakes up and he says, my wound, question mark, no wounds, how? So he says that when he first wakes up. He does reference the fact of like, how the fuck am I okay? Downs. But after that, it's never talked about again. Even when his friends find him after being tortured in the prison and they know that he was hit with a giant icicle because they saw it, no one ever asks him about that. Like, it's no big deal. Ain't yeah, no, no big, big deal. Thing. Okay. And then, and it literally isn't clear, they're all basically split up. So when you find them, they're like Irvine somewhere else. A few of them are together and they take Renoa from the group. They don't know where Squall is. So they literally don't even know if Squall's alive, but they never. They all assume he's dead. They never, but when they find him again, they don't, they're not even like, oh, hey. Oh, hey. Glad you're not dead. Chopped up or something? Yeah. Chopped up. So that's weird. And then instead, Squall and his group of companions just continue on your journey to defeat Adia and ultimately Ultimacia. So. Up into that parade scene, Final Fantasy VIII has a pretty normal storyline. There's nothing too crazy going on. He graduates from the academy. He goes on a mission. There's some fucking political bullshit. And that happens. After he's injured by Adia, things get a little crazy all over the place, almost like it's a dream or some kind of fucking nightmare. Some mind-fucking shit. So, basically, here's some examples of how things are, like, crazy. Mm -hmm. So, there's Norg, who is literally an alien. He lives in the basement, and he's just this big, fat, blob alien. Norg. Norg, in all capitals that no one knew about, is suddenly taking over the school. And at one point... Squall and his team form a band and perform a concert. Yep, that happens. (laughs) All of the creatures, other than the monsters and the fiends, were relatively normal. Like, you see cats, you see dogs, you see birds, and they're normal. Cats meow, dogs bark. Like, they're normal creatures. All of a sudden, after this event... There's things like Moombas and all these other weird mixed creatures. And let's see. All of a sudden, all of them were from the same orphanage. Yes. And it was run by the person, the sorceress that that Squall is fighting. Oh, randomly. Who is the wife of their headmaster of the school. A lot of side eyes. And then, of course, there's just the random trip to outer space and alternate timelines and universes. Let's go to the moon. Okay. So, I mean, it's not uncommon for stories in video games, especially RPGs, to start relatively normal and then get a little crazy because you want to, that's how stories start. Everything seems okay and then everything's not okay. But things are a little, I have played a lot of Final Fantasy games and things do, once you start putting in perspective like that, things do get a little bit out of control. It's sort of like someone just flipped on a crazy switch at that point in time and it's so very specific of like disc one seems relatively normal that happens and then it's not normal anymore so here's the question if squall is actually dead Mm -hmm. then what the fuck is the rest of the game right there's three more discs after squall dies (laughs) what are we going through 
So the most popular theory of it is that the rest of the game is just sort of a dream that Squall is having before he ends up dying. Okay. And just to kind of, you know, put an end to his story. And I mean, there's a logic to that idea. Things like Headmaster Sid just all of a sudden giving control of Balam to Garden to Squall. He's only 17. He's been a yeah. seed for like a week. He ends up getting the cute girl, even though she sort of has a boyfriend. And he makes up this extreme of story of why she wouldn't have a boyfriend anymore. Mm-hmm. And those are things that are very like internal of a 17-year-old boy who's like, this is what I want with my life. Yes. I want to rule my school and get the cute girl that everybody wants. How sad. Another interesting possibility is that the rest of the game is essentially Squall's trip through a variation of purgatory. And there is a bunch of things that lead to the idea that this could be true. Squall was a young man who had a tragic... Young man. He was only 17. That was clearly copy and pasted. (laughs) (laughs) He has a tragic character with a tragic backstory. He was raised in an orphanage. He saw his sister basically taken away because of her ability. Uh, Orphanage best friend. Yep. Felt abandoned. And I mean, that's also why they're like, he's antisocial and wants to be a hero. And because of that... Maybe this fantastical adventure that Squall embarks on is just a realization of childhood fantasies that were designed to help him lead him to his afterlife so his soul could be at peace. Because, I mean, by the end of the game, Squall gets a girl, defeats the monster and the aliens, goes to space, because what boy doesn't want to go to space? What girl doesn't want to go to space? Who doesn't want to go to space? And helps his friends find peace. But also space is really scary. (laughs) (laughs) I never want to go to space, actually. He does face difficulties, but they all seem suddenly linked to this theme of him accepting his destiny. Destiny! Yes, and moving on from the past. Because literally it's never brought up, and then all of a sudden everyone's like, hey, it's your destiny to defeat Adia and the sorceresses, which is something that it's like, okay, well, if you are on your way you're in a purgatory and you're trying to move past it. You're obviously on this one line. You do have a line. And then there is another fascinating theory that Squall has basically become unstuck from time. So there's an interpretation of the game which suggests that Squall's sister, Elom, basically began the process of sending. So what Elon does exactly, I sort of explained it, is she doesn't send them back in time. She just sends their conscious back in time. Okay. So their body physically is still in the world, real world. She can, they can just see things. Yes. They can't so they things, have to be. said earlier, right? They have to be in a person. So every time they went back in time, be Squall in became Laguna. Oh. And his friends became, which is why if there were three people, if it was Laguna, Kiros, and Ward, it would be uh, Squall, Selfie, and Zell. Um, if it was just Laguna and, and Kiros, it one time was just Squall and Zell that went back in time. Yeah. So there had to be like a conscious that they went back into, which also explains why this machine that copies Elon's power, the sorceress could go back in time, but she had to be in, in a body, that makes sense. which is why she was in Adia, yeah. Adele, Renoa. It's why she was in these bodies. Like, what power 
What buddy has power? Though, exactly. Too, right? So she went to someone specific, be- but that's what Ellen's power is. She's not sending you back in time. You need, it's just part of you. You need somewhere you to go sit it. and see it. Exactly. They're always constantly narrating, like, who the fuck is this, while they're sort of watching it, but they're part of that person as well. Mm-hmm. So Like Quantum Leap, which you maybe not have seen, but... It is exactly like what <laughs> So they're saying she was sending his conscience back in time at the same time that he dies. So it brings him to this weird limbo where he's sort of not in time because his conscience isn't in his body, oh. but his body is now dead. Ah. And it's, so it's not like floating somewhere, but not. Exactly. So <laughs> it doesn't have anywhere specifically to be. Now, the best argument for this theory comes from the end of the game. So when you defeat Ultimacia, like I said, Squall goes through this weird, like, travel through time thing. And things get really weird and they get fucked up. Mm-hmm. And during the sequence, the face of Renoa is all blurred and distorted throughout it. Oh, dear. And even at one point at the very end, before it all goes black, Squall's face basically transforms into, like, a black hole. Then he just kind of disappears. Okay. So this is perhaps telling us that Squall's visions of Renoa are all... All the visions of Renoa are from before. So they're all from disc one. And they're all blurry because he's getting... So further, far further and away. away that he can't so, remember like, it, remember it properly. Memory and remembering memory and remembering yes, memory. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And um, this could just be him starting to accept the process that he knows he needs to move on and he's stuck and he needs to figure it out. And seeing these visions triggers that, making him realize what's happening. He's no longer grounded to a timeline and he just has to basically move on. Uh, Um, The last theory, Mm -hmm. which is quite interesting and maybe my favorite, is that Squall's death involves the idea that Renoa actually becomes the evil sorceress Ultimacia and alters the flow of time. She alters the flow of time in reality because she wants to stop Squall's death. She does actually love him. And even though she's taken over by Ultimacia, this little part of her wants to save him. Yeah. So by messing up with everything, she basically fucks everything up and goes, ends up going a little bit crazy and turns Squall death into what she would want of this adventure where they are eventually reunited and together in her own because like she is just, world. at this oh, point, okay. she's just like a small part of her. She's Ultimacia now. Yeah, she, so in her brain, like she still was able piece. to sort of do this to the world. Yeah. And the small piece of her wants this to be true. And she has the power to make it true, being Ultimacia. And this is sort of what her way of doing it was. Mm-hmm. All right. So what do you think, Martha? It's very mindfucky. Um, do you think any of it could be true? I mean, it's very hard to say without actually playing the game. But also, I do love a surprise they've been dead the entire time <laughs> type of twist. Okay. And also, I love a surprise they've been dead, but also kind of not dead the entire yep. time. Weird, timey. Yeah. yeah. 
Which I know in in the last episode, I was like, that's bullshit and I hate it. But when it's done well, I like it. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't believe the theory. Yeah. Um, I find it very fascinating. And it does make you just look at the game as like, okay, this went haywire real quick. Yeah. Either somebody was on too many drugs when they were writing it, or somebody was on too many drugs when they were writing it and they put too many thoughts. Or they were just like, let's see how ridiculous we can make this. Let's just throw some shit in and see what people come up with for their theories. Yes. Thank you. So, here's some reasons why it just doesn't it's work. It's some serious bullshit. Okay. okay. Main reason why this conspiracy doesn't work is that there are so many ways you can heal people. They have magic. You have magic throughout the game. There's magic in every Final Fantasy life. There's uh, Phoenix Downs. That's what they're called. There's items that you can buy that can revive characters. Mm-hmm. And Adia, who is taken over by Ultima Sia, has this great power that if they got to Squall, especially before he was even actually dead, why couldn't she just heal him? She is all powerful, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things. One of the things that goes a little bit against that is that the game does begin with a training session where Squall gets a scar and he ends up in the infirmary True. from a flesh wound. His plus which they ex- made <laughs> multiplication, <laughs> multiplication times scar. Yes. So they made such a big deal out of that, yet they never then again talk about how Squall got shoved with a giant icicle. Is it bad writing or is it yeah. something else? So that's where you could be like, okay, well, I know you can just go buy a Phoenix Down or a, or a, a Hyper Potion, but so. can we remember Squall has a scar on his face? Maybe he just wants to die. <laughs> but here's here's the main thing. All that being said, 2017, Final Fantasy director, uh, Yoshinori Katsai, shot down the Squall's dead berry. Oh. And he's uh, suggesting that Renault and, uh, and Althusia are one among other fan theories. So he shoots them all down. In the process, but he that's killed... like any writer being like, your theory about my book isn't so, right. Yeah, it's like, but, okay, I don't care. Yeah. He killed the debate years ago. But he does in turn say, this is a very interesting idea. So if we ever did make a legit remake of Final Fantasy VIII, I would definitely have this in mind while I was remaking it. Oh, shit, that's awesome. Yes. Okay. So that. that also makes me believe that it definitely obviously wasn't on his brain. Yeah. But he is fascinated by it and would maybe even play into it if they ever made a remake like they're remaking of Seven right now. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. So that is Final Fantasy VIII and the specific little conspiracy theory behind Final Fantasy Squall is dead. Final Squall Fantasy is dead. All no. right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Two different plots. Different things going on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, Join us next week when we talk about some other shit that we like. Yes. We're on episode two. Can we officially say listen, rate, review? Yeah, please. (laughs) I don't know. Do stuff for us. That's nice. Which is read, rate, review, I guess. Read? No. (laughs) Just rate and review. (laughs) I don't know. I was putting Leave a comment. (laughs) <laughs> That's a review. Do another R thing. Just to make me Relax. feel better. Relax. We're all in quarantine. Relax. Drink a beverage. <laughs> <laughs> and when we can all go out in public again, it'll be great. Yeah. Then you can read and read. <laughs> in public. While you're sitting at Dunkin' Donuts 
with your iced coffee and bagel. With a bunch of people who you're like, I really wish these people weren't here. But I really wish I was home by myself right now. (laughs) But also, choices. It's the difference. Okay, we have All to right. shut the fuck up. Thank you, everyone. Like, thanks for listening. You guys are cool, I guess. Until next week. Yes. Stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.